This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I'm a little hoarse with excitement. No, I'm hoarse with allergies. Welcome back to Mississippi Felder. Hey, y'all, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and you have tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Me and Java Chapman and all the other folks here at MPB in a brand nice new studio and all. I'm scared I'm going to spill coffee or something. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour. So if you've got some things you want to chat about, it's a live program. I'm here in the States. I'm in Mississippi. I'm in the humidity. I've been gardening this week. I've been getting ready for fall. I've been cleaning up after the summer. Java, it's good to see you, man. How are you doing, guy? Man, I'm doing good. Good as can be expected with uh, everything happening in the capital city. Yeah, I understand that. You know, I've got running water, but uh, it smells kind of funny. But, you know, that's why, like I tell people, that's the reason Benjamin Franklin invented beer. That was Benjamin Franklin? No. <laughs> but he was the one who said, said the proof that God loves man is he invented beer. I can dig it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking good. Got new glasses, got a haircut. Man, I just feel real special today. Oh, man, you you look good yourself, fresh off the um the, the old pond, you know, across the pond. Yeah. Glow going on. Yeah. How, how, how did the humidity hit you when you got off the plane? Oh, uh, well, you know, when I got when I got off the plane, I had to go to, to, uh, to, to New York, JFK, and then to Atlanta, and then to Jackson. As soon as I got off the, the plane in at Atlanta, it hit me on the jetway. I'm thinking, I'm headed home. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all the cicadas, I checked my garden, every, I walked around late at night, walked around with the flashlight, everything looks good. I've already cleaned it up, did a little weeding, getting ready to plant some fall stuff, and heck, I'm ready to talk about it with other folks, so that's the reason that we're here, I guess. So, uh, and by the way, I brought some plants, I stole one from my garden, I stole a couple uh, in the woods in my walk-in today, and I stole one from out in front of MPB, and we'll talk about those later. You know, so you so you actually walked in this morning? <laughs> You can't you you gave me a big old hug. You couldn't tell how wet I was. <laughs> anyway, I, I do have a little touch of a hay fever kicking in, so uh, if I get a little, <clears throat> that's okay, folks. Now I see we've got a call from Melanie from Lower Lower Alabama, but I do I push any buttons in this fancy new studio? You this is your first time in the new studio, so yeah. I'll handle all the buttons this okay, morning. Okay, okay. Well, while you do, before I take this call from Melanie, watch this in the new chair. Oops, I was going to spin around my chair, but the headphone thing wrapped me up. Anyway, calm down, fella. Let's go to Alabama and talk to Melanie. Hey, Melanie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, well, I've already heard you're doing good. I'm excited. I'm I'm glad glad to be back. What's going on with you? Well, I'm thinking about fall, and I remember you telling us about some particular kind of spinach that wasn't actually technically spinach, I think, but that it worked really well here. Yeah, that that would be Malabar spinach, and it's in the summertime. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll write that down and save it for it, next year. Matter of fact, I, I had to pull a bunch of it. it it's such a vigorous uh, plant. I've got a, a six-foot diameter 
metal horse trough, you know, the horse watering trough like you see out in the fields. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I grow my herbs and some of my vegetables, a few flowers in it. Malabar spinach is a vine. It's, it's not vigor. It doesn't climb up in the trees, but it can get four, five, six feet long. And, uh, and I planted a little too much this past spring, and it looked like a green. It looked like Audrey II from Little Shop of Horrors. But you know, it's a really cool plant, though, Melly. You really need to give it a try. Other folks need to. Malabar spinach is slick leaf. It's dark green. It's kind of a reddish stem. It's a pretty little ornamental plant, and you can eat it. Well, I think we're going to need more things to eat in the coming uh, months. So that's why I, would, I don't normally try to grow much to eat, just a few things here and there, tomatoes and peppers and stuff. But So I have a couple of other questions. Okay. Um, I make my own compost. Yeah. And, of course, it's not quite as pure as what you would get at the store. But It is. It's better. Pretty. It's better because the stuff you grow is live. The stuff at, at the store is essentially inert. So you got the, you got the real stuff. So is it all right to, to just put the seeds directly into that, or do I need to add bark or? Well, well are you growing it in dirt or in pots or what? Well, I'm, I have actually had an area in my flower bed that got kind of taken over with weeds, so I just put down some cardboard and I put the compost on top of it, yeah. letting it set. Now I'm not ready to plant in it, but I just wondered if when I get ready to, if I'll need to do anything else to it, or can I just... Well, you you could just plant through it, but now, and keep in mind, you know, most plants grow in what I call good dirt. You know, not heavy clay, not pure sand, but also not a lot of organic matter. You know, woodsy type of stuff, compost and manure. It grows it sort of. It, it, it's like you know, when you eat chili, you don't eat the beans, and then the tomato sauce, and then the the meat and stuff. You mix them together. Yeah. See, so so right now, since you covered that area with the with the cardboard, covered with the compost, it's going to break down. But you need to 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 be able to the plants need to be able to get into some firmer stuff. You're going to have to water uh, a little bit more because it's growing in just just compost. But uh, you know, once it gets started, it'll be fine. But uh, if you could go out there and punch some holes, you know, after a good rain, I guess you've had a good rain. But after rain, punch some holes down through the cardboard so that the rainwater and air, and also some of the compost juices, it as it gets wet and and uh, and do- gets down into the soil beneath it, sort of, and it'll grow itself together. But punch some holes through the cardboard. Well, one other thing. Now, why do my why when I plant seeds do they get so spindly? Not enough light, plain and simple. You know, so seeds, when they sprout, you know, this solar energy, this radiation thing, it, it makes them sturdy and stocky and also air movement. Uh, you know, when, when plants come up and the wind blows them and, and, and they get a lot of sunshine, they get sturdy and stocky. Uh, if you grow them indoors or, in, you know, in a protected place, they're going to stretch for the light. But also n- no real air movement, you know, makes them a little bit weak. And so, so uh, that's, that's just – it's better to – if you can start your own seeds, unless it's freezing outside – and go ahead and put them where they get real sunshine, at least for several hours, and a little air movement. And from time to time, get you a little stick and just sort of brush it across the top to sort of stimulate that growth a little bit. Okay, well, I see. That's the problem. I started them in my greenhouse, but which is in the shade semi-shade all summer so I that, no. and they're all very spindly so they're just flower seeds so it's not a big deal but well, I'm like why it, are it, you it, so spindly <laughs> it, you know pardon the gestalt in me but it's a big deal to the plants so anyway <laughs> they, they just they just need real sunshine is all maybe protection from the hottest part of the day you know till they get some some leaves on them but uh so what makes them sturdy and stocky is is real solar energy and a little little movement all right well I'll, I'll bear that in mind then the next 
I'll just put them in the dirt. Yep, the DIR dirt. Mix some of the compost in with the dirt, and it's, and it's more better. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you home. Oh, I want to give you one other quick tip. You and everybody else listening, this is a great time. This is the perfect time to start lettuce seeds, you know, in pots. You know, get you, you don't have to have big pots. Matter of fact, those low, wide, bowl-shaped pots, what they call azalea pots that are wider than they are tall, you can put some, some stuff in that and just barely sprinkle some, mix two or three different kinds of lettuce seed together but just barely sprinkle a little covering on there, wet it down, and within a week you're gonna this gonna be growing. Within three weeks you're eating, and it's pretty too. Yeah, and I bet it tastes better than what you get at the store. Well, whether it tastes better or not, you feel more smug. There you go. <laughs> Help there's, a, there's a lot to be said for feeling good. You know, it, you know, it's a weird world, and just to say I grew this, you know, is 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 a good thing. It's not it's not being vain. It's being or proud. It's being self something. <laughs> See you, Melanie. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Self sustain. Self sufficient. Are you going self sufficient? There you go. Okay, all right. Self something. Self suffering. Anyway, let's go to uh, to Paul. He's calling from Van Cleve. What's up, Paul? Hey. Hey. Good morning, Felder. How are you today? So far, so good. I've got a, a highly technical question for you. I've got a Fuyu. I think it's Fuyu. It's a, one of the non-astringent varieties of right. persimmon. Seedless, right. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, it's, every year it always has a bunch of persimmons on it. And before I can pick them, uh, the varmints are getting them. I'm not sure <laughs> what it is. But uh, anyway, they're just now starting to turn. And I wonder at what point can I pick them? Uh, when would be too soon? Or I don't want to share with the varmints if I don't have yeah I get it you know and and this it's it's a good question and there's a weird term it's called um uh climacteric climacteric uh climacteric fruits and anticlimacteric some will ripen further when you pluck them off the plant they continue to ripen some do not and I don't these persimmons that I grew up around, you had to wait till they got real, real soft. Uh, yeah, yeah, they had, they had to get mature, and that's what makes me think that they probably need to be left on the on the plant as long as possible. I don't know though; it's a good question, and I can you know answer about tomatoes and apples and stuff like that. I just don't know about persimmons, but um, meanwhile, is is your tree big? It's uh, probably about maybe ten feet tall. Yeah, it's not that big, and there's probably maybe. Two dozen persimmons on it. There. Yeah, uh, too too big to throw a bird net over, right? I mean, or, oh, yeah. or, or is it is it possums getting it or what? Well, I I got a feeling uh, uh, it it may be coons that's getting into Raccoons. it because last year it had about this many persimmons on it one day. The next day I looked and they were all gone. There wasn't even one on the ground. Yeah, possums. Yeah, po- possums aren't that industrious. It does sound more <laughs> like a raccoon, but anyway, no. And bird is not going to help on that. So, you know, I I, I just I, I don't know. I can look it up, but you know, for right now, I just don't know. Okay. Well, uh, I I just didn't want to take a chance on uh, losing them again and. I understand you can uh, eat those before they get soft. You know, they, they uh, yes. uh, kind of yes. crunch you like an apple, and, and they're good. Whereas the old uh, Japanese persimmons, if you bit into those before they were soft, you you would uh, remember the experience for sure. So. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize, first of all, we do have a lot of different varieties of Japanese oriental persimmons, and they are terrific landscape plants. They're beautiful plants. I was oh, My, yeah. my great-grandmother uh, had one that was planted before my dad was born, and Hurricane Katrina blew it over. 
and it's never failed to produce up in the up up in the delta of north mississippi beautiful plants but the few you because it's self-fertile it doesn't make a seed uh you can eat it right off right off the tree yeah yeah okay well i appreciate it can't can't right. answer it. You got me stumped. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. <laughs> Maybe somebody else will chime in on it there. Come and look up uh, our Japanese persimmons climacteric or anticlimacteric. Now, see, so I got you. You didn't. You stumped me on the the question, but I got the words right. Okay, dokie, folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I looked it up, and I found out that persimmons are climacteric. But I don't remember whether that means they ripen off. So I'm, I've looked up climacteric, and uh, but we got stuff to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read on it while we talk. Uh, so let's go to um, down to Gulfport and talk with Gail. Gail, I appreciate you holding. How are you? I'm doing well, thank good, you. Good. What's up? I have a couple of raised beds, and this past year I didn't do anything with them. Just kind of funked out, and of course they got things growing in them. It looks like a lot of grass and weeds, per se. So I was wondering, listening to that lady, um, if I put cardboard on top of them and then do my compost and some garden soil, would I have to try to remove all those, all that growth? Well, or would it, it eventually die? It, it really it depends on what kind of weeds they are. There's some some uh, plants like um, like nut sedge and uh, a few others that will come up through asphalt. So it really depends on what the weeds are. If it's just the kind of weeds that are easy to pull, then you, you can you can throw uh, cover them up with some card. Try not to use slick cardboard, by the way, but just plain old cardboard, and then you can layer stuff on top of that. And that actually does a pretty good job. It's not as good right at first, but it really hit, it smothers weeds, and eventually the cardboard decomposes. All that stuff mixes together. But if you got a bunch of weeds and you can do this, it's not too doesn't look too weird. There's no problem covering them up. Some weeds. Going to come up through cardboard, but most of them is going to smother them. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Oh, I appreciate your call. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. Now let's go up to uh, Neshoba County. Bill, how you doing today? Hello, hello. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Well, I got two questions. The first one is about the Malabar spinach that you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, like you say, I have a, a huge plant, uh, and I, it's, it's still uh, producing... I uh, had some yesterday in a frittata. It was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, as long as it's hot, that plant's going to grow. Great. Uh, that's good to know. But right now, uh, it's covered with flowers. Yeah, and they'll and make I, and they make little seed balls too. And, and are they edible? As far as I as far as I know, the whole plant's edible. I mean, uh, you oh. know, I, I, I don't. I've been growing it for a long time. I eat some of the leaves from time to time, and they taste a lot like. Uh, spinach, but uh, I, you know, I'm just—I I would assume that they're okay, uh, you know. But but I can't say for sure. As a scientist, I gotta say I don't know. But it's, okay. it makes sense that they would. All right, I'll give them a try. Oh, well, uh, well go- Google it first. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know. But either that, or if you give it a try, and you don't Google it first. Don't tell anybody you heard it from me. Oh, I'm going to call you and miss about everybody. <laughs> well, okay, if you call me, that means they're okay to eat. Thank you. Okay. Like they say, uh, th- there's mushrooms out there that, uh, that uh, you know, one is enough to eat for the rest of your life. 
<laughs> anyway, I don't know about the flower. But uh, did you plant this Malabar spinach, or did you get it and it came back from seed, or what? No, I, I uh, got some seeds, and, uh, boy, I planted a couple dozen. Only one plant came up, but that's huh. enough. Well, just leave it out there, and as long as you don't mulch too heavily, uh, mine come back from seed every year. Matter of fact, I have to I have to pull them and thin them out. Okay, great. Well, I can do that. All righty. Well, I hope you, I hope you let us know that those things are edible. Okay, <laughs> and okay, I got another question. Okay. Uh, I had I bought some of those uh, uh, rocket uh, apples, little uh-huh. apples uh, at the store, and uh-huh. taste best-tasting apple I've had in a long time. And so I saved the seeds, and I realized that it's a hybrid, so my chances are not good. But right. I got, like, maybe uh, five seeds that uh, came up. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, uh, I mean, when do I transplant them to larger things, or can I, should I plant them directly into the soil? Or well, you know, how it, should I proceed? Yeah, the easiest thing to do would be wait till fall and uh, and go ahead and just put them out in the ground. You know, not not planting them too deep and mulching them to keep the you know lawnmower and weed eater off of them. Uh, so you know, there there'll be if you set them out in the fall or the winter, they're going to be established by by next summer, and you don't have to do anything. If you put it in a pot, you got to water it all the time. Right. Uh, so anyway, if you if if they're at least a foot or so tall by fall, I go ahead and put them out. Uh, but keep, keep a couple of things in mind. You're right that that hybrid seeds. Often don't come true. They, you know, there's going to be a, a combination, and most apples are cross-pollinated, so there's a good chance it won't be the apple that you ate. That's just true of all cross-pollinated plants. Uh, other thing is, even though they grow, it takes tree plants grown from seed go through a, a juvenile phase, just like people do, and uh, and it takes them four, five, six years to get through their teenage years till they get mature enough to start flowering and fruiting. So at least four, five, six. Seven years before you'll know if it even flowers, it, what kind of fruit it's going to be. See, so that's the reason they graft stuff. They graft mature uh, stems onto other stuff so they're ready to go. But uh, you know, this little juvenile thing, uh, it's just going to be a while. So you know, just enjoy it. But understand, it's going to be at least three or four or five years before it blooms. Okay, I'm willing to put in the time, but I'm wondering, is there some way to tell if it's a dwarf or a regular? Uh, do- regular? Dwarf and regular and things like that are 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 horticultural terms a dwarf tree can still get pretty big but most of the time that's happened by they plant them on rootstocks that that cause the top part to grow slower or they have a, a an inter stock they'll have a rootstock and then a middle stock and then your your plant that's what what makes them semi dwarf or dwarf is adding a, another little stem in there that slows down the growth so if you grew it from seed it's probably not going to be a dwarf I, I, but i don't okay. know I, I, again i just don't know well, thank you. All righty. And, uh, hey, if you get a chance, uh, there's there's a fellow uh, up in North Mississippi, and uh, I'm just drawing a total blank, and I talked to him just the other day. Anyway, he, he grows, he collects and grows and grafts heirloom fruit plants, things that do well uh-huh. in central Mississippi, north Mississippi, south Mississippi, because they don't all do well, you know, depend on the what we call the, the chilling factors, how the above freezing but below 45 refrigerator temperatures. Hours of that temperature are how fruit trees tell when to bloom in the spring. And so we have some that, that do well up in Michigan that need a long cold spell before they bloom or else they'll bloom in the middle of the winter. We have some that, that need a short spell and they'll bloom too early and freeze. So central Mississippi, 
has got different varieties of apples than North Mississippi and South Mississippi based on chilling requirements. I'm not trying to get complicated, but that's the reason a lot of fruit plants fail because people just buy plants that they like, whether the plants like it here or not. So anyway, uh, I'll I'll remember this guy's name in a minute, but anyway, he specializes in these things. He's got lists of the ones that do well. And what what I'm getting at is when those trees you're planting get a little size on them, you might want to cut them down and graft a really good variety onto them, and that's the way to go. Hmm. Okay. Just something to think about. Yeah. Keep keep me in mind. Yeah. If you think about it down the road, keep me in mind and shoot me an email. Okay. I think I have that guy's a uh, couple of his uh, limber twigs. Yeah. Could yeah. could could yeah. be. Anyway, he's he's a good guy. I got I got some plants from him, and he actually uh, showed me. He let me graft some crab apples this past uh, this past spring. So I. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, good luck on it, man. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Okay, now let's slide over to Col- uh, Columbus and talk to Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. Howdy. I, uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I'd like to. I have a date tree. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know: Can I cut the top out of it? Because it is like. Three feet around and 12, 13 feet tall. Okay, we're, we're going to have to I, I, we're going to have to get on the same page because dates uh, like you like you, you you buy are the fruits off of a palm tree. So what are you calling a date tree? Well, a palm tree then because it grows dates. <laughs> but but it's not outside, is it? Yes, it is. Okay, now I'm I'm trying to see it because I got bifocus here. You're in Columbus or Columbia? I am in Columbus. Okay, uh, date palms usually aren't cold hardy that far north, but all palms make what look like date fruits. So anyway, to answer your question, palms can't be cut back. They only have two growing points. They got the little furry root things at the bottom, and they have one growing point at the very top. And if you cut that off or if it freezes it dies all the way to the ground. You can't, in other words, real palms can't be cut back and they branch out. So if it is really a palm, okay. can't be pruned. Okay, okay. Well, I believe it is called a date, a palm date or a date palm. It, it could I'm be. Not... Has, has this got a real hairy trunk? Uh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that's probably a windmill palm. But uh, and they make and, and they make fruit. I just don't know. I I, I just don't know if they're edible. I, I I don't know about it. But the yes. real real date palm gets a little bit bigger and it grows down on the coast. But um, anyway, if it's got a really hairy trunk, that's probably the windmill palm. And I'll, I'll do a little research when we when we play our tune to see if it has edible fruits. But no palms can be pruned. You know that much I do know for sure. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I, I thank you. Okay. Because it is getting so tall. Yeah, they do that. They do that. I have that because of that. Uh, I grow a, our native palm called a palmetto. It's got big, big leaves, but it only gets oh about head higher. So, but you know, if you like that effect. But the uh, the windmill palms, which I've been, I, I was growing those at a nursery back in the seventies. Uh, they just get taller and taller, and sooner or later, you know, in north central Mississippi. The sooner or later, a hard freeze gets them. Just got to plant another. So let's see if you can get another one to set out right beside it to have two palms. And then if the one gets too tall, you got another one coming along. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I wish I could be more cheerful. Well, I am cheerful. I'm just sorry I can't be more helpful. 
Okay, thank you. You bet. Appreciate it. Let's go to Tupelo. Okay, John, what's going on, man? Good morning, Felder. How yeah, are you doing? So far, so good. What's Great. up? Great. Look, I have a plethora of questions for you concerning three uh, flowering or fruiting bushes or trees. Okay. Uh, the first one is a blackberry bush. Yeah. I called about a year or two ago about uh, talked to you about it. It has grown, and it produced a lot of blackberries. Right. Unfortunately, all of them died, but it sent out some shooters or some other stems that have grown in its place. Right. Uh, how are they going to take the place of the other stems that have been making blackberries? Yeah, these, these new things came up from the ground, right? Yes, sir. Okay, this is the way they do. When, uh, blackberries, they'll grow a long cane one year that flowers and fruits the next year, and then basically it dies. But the new ones okay. come on and replace it. See, so what commercial growers do is uh, as soon as they get through harvesting, they go out and they just cut everything back about a foot or two tall. We're talking about in the summertime. And this does two things. It gets rid of the old canes, which is just going to turn into thorny brambles, and it tip prunes the new growth so it branches out. The rest of the summer has more berries the next year. Too late to do that this year. But from from, okay. from now on, every, every year, as soon as you get through picking, just snip the old canes down and the new growth, cut it off about knee-high so it branches out the rest of the summer. You'll have more compact plants with more berries. Okay. Uh, the second thing are I have two pear trees. Now, they have grown about 16 feet tall. Now, they've grown up, but they haven't grown out. They've Out of the uh, course of their life, they've made one pear, which has uh, pulled down a branch until it finally matured and dropped. But <laughs> yeah. how soon should I expect these to start making more of them? Well, if you know, if 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 one of them made it, that means they they're all mature enough to do it. But now he, here's the deal: commercial growers, and I, I was raised with fruits. I wrote the, a book on fruits. I grow fruits myself. I would never ever put on a fruit tree in the ground without cutting it back to about three feet tall the day I planted it to make it branch out instead of shooting straight up. You know, it's a cultural thing. You know, you want it to have more branches uh, that are easier to pick. The plant wants to grow straight up like a pine tree. So uh, what I would suggest was keep in mind that all the stuff that's out there right now, all the twigs there right now, that's where your flowers and next year fruit would be. So if you prune it too hard and get rid of all of this year's twigs, there goes next year's fruit. So you can still this winter go in and thin out some of the tall stuff but leave some of it unpruned to still have fruit. And okay. no, just and just just get it. You got to be mean to it. You got to get a. You got to make it do what you want. It's like a. It's like a really fancy mustache. They don't happen on their own. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I have the heart to cut it back so severely. But I would. Well, uh, you don't. You don't have to cut it back severely. But the tallest stuff, go ahead and cut it. As long as you've got some branches on it, you know, just cut mm-hmm. the tallest because otherwise it's going to get taller and taller and taller. And, uh, you know, it, so go in and cut the tallest parts out, leave some side branches, and let them become the tree. Okay. Uh, the final one is a peach tree. I have one peach tree. It does make uh, plenty of peaches, and they're, they're a good, adequate size, a little on the small side. But I noticed when I cut one open, it does have some little tiny worms in it. And after the tree is finished making fruit, the leaves apparently get skeletonized or, yeah, you yeah. know, how they just... So I'm, I guess what kind of good uh, general spray or insecticide should I yeah. put on it to get rid of the worms that are growing within the fruit and yeah. also keep the leaves from having that happen? Yeah, peaches are real popular, but they're on my top three list of I don't think it's a good idea to plant them because of what you're seeing. If you're going to grow peaches, you've got to spray. 
There's just no way around. Every now and then somebody will have a peach tree that doesn't have problems, but they're the exception. You can go to garden centers, and they have a combination spray. It's usually called something like home orchard spray or home fruit spray. It'll be something like that. And it has the insecticide, the safe, and the fungicides for diseases already mixed together. So you just mix it according to directions and spray your tree with that. Now, you, it does no good to spray before there's fruit on there because these stuff don't they don't they don't last long. So after the tree is starting to you know starting to, you see little fruit on it, you know way after it bloom, you start spraying every. I hate to say this, but every week or two because these sprays only last for a couple of weeks or a couple of rains. Uh, commercial growers spray every. 10 days to two weeks, and uh, it's, a, it's a pain. But if you'll prune your tree, cut th- cut out, you know, if you hold your hand up like you've got a, an orange in it straight up to the sky with your fingers wrapped around and then pull the orange out, your fingers are sort of splayed out like you're about to catch a ball. That's the way a, a, yeah. a, a, that's the way a, a good peach tree should be shaped. Cut out the middle stuff and just leave the wide open stuff. Uh, cut out anything that's growing up and only leave stuff that's growing outward is easier to spray easier to pick and the, the tree will be sturdier but anyway start spraying uh, i'm gonna say three or four weeks after they get through flowering and uh, at least every couple of weeks it's a real pain well I, i'm gonna be committed to it i've got all these fruit trees and stuff in my backyard i might as well do something to enjoy them there you go hey what, one other real quick tip you say your your peaches are small i give you a real quick tip on you know the the ones you see at the at the the orchards and in stores the nice big ones because when a when a when a twig starts making fruit let's say it makes four or five in a cluster commercial growers when they're about the size of a marble they go out there and they thump they actually beat their trees with padded bats to knock off all but a few fruits. So if you just try this on a limb or two next year, after they get through blooming, when the peach is about the size of a marble, go out and twist off all but two or three in each group, and those will all get bigger than the ones right next to it that have too many in a cluster. It's called fruit thinning. Oh. Okay. And so just you know, uh, just try. Fun would be to prune the peaches. Yeah, go ahead and cut the middle part. You know, again, open open fingers. You want it to look like that. Uh, you know, the tall stuff, just get rid of it and uh, make it where the trees are compact, opened up, easier to spray, easier to pick. And on a couple of these branches, try thinning some of the fruit out. Just two or three per cluster. It really works. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, handlebar mustaches, they don't happen by themselves. Get you some good pruners. All righty, Java. I got stumped on some stuff, and I'm okay with it. Well, you back in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I feel this chair's got me sitting down real low. I feel like I'm in a spaceship. This is this like the, this like the, the bridge of the Enterprise. There you go. It's that's the, that's the unofficial nickname, the bridge. Is it really? Well, at least that's what I call it. Well, it works. It works, folks. I'm Horticulture Felder. That was Java Chapman, my awesome producer. So glad to be back here. We're going to be kicking around some ideas with you all the way up till the end of the hour. It's rebroadcast on Saturdays, and, of course, you can uh, download the podcast. Go to mpbonline.org, mpbonline.org, and uh, t- download the podcast. It's got over a quarter quarter million downloads already. We're going to have some fun. Anyway, we've got the lines wide open. You want to chat with somebody who's not going to try to sell you anything and is okay with not knowing everything? Give us a call. Uh, meanwhile, Java. Yes, sir. The coffee I'm drinking is the New Orleans Blend. 
Oh, wow. And you just got back from New Orleans with the MPB thing. Yeah, we had a radio conference out there trying to, you know, make things bigger and better. But, yeah, that was just so interconnected. <laughs> uh, the in- synchronicity. synchronicity. That's the word. That's the word. Well, I happen to look some stuff up because I don't mind learning stuff. I don't mind admitting what I'm when I don't know. And I'm I'm ignorant, which means I don't know. I ain't dumb. And two things: first of all, date palms don't grow in Columbus, Mississippi, but windmill palms do, and they make fruit that you can eat. There you so, go. So anyway, but you still can't prune them. Is she still listening? Uh, on the other, but at the same, I also found out they have separate male and female windmill palms. So she got a female. Unless it, if it's got fruit, it means somebody's got a male out there and the bees are doing their thing. I'm just saying. Or maybe the butterflies. It could, could be, could be. But also I looked up uh, uh, persimmons are climacteric, which means you can pluck them ahead of time and they'll continue to ripen. So if he's still listening, when, they, when those persimmons start to get soft, you can go ahead and pull them and let them continue to ripen off the plant. And that word is climacteric? Climacteric. Climacteric. It's a weird word. And anticlimacteric means as soon as you pick it, that's all you got. Tomatoes are anticlimacteric. You know, you pluck a tomato that's that's showing some color, it won't get riper. It won't get more juice. It won't get more sweet. It won't get more flavor. But it'll soften. It'll make it easier to eat. And uh, and you can beat the, and and that way you can beat the birds and the squirrels and all like that too. So you can pick tomatoes when they're showing the pink, and they will continue to to do well. Then I can do better. There you go. Uh, okay, I should have stuck with where I was okay. So uh, anyway, before we take this call, I want to uh, talk about the three plants. I like to bring a native, an edible, and an heirloom. And uh, the native plant I brought when I walked up to MPB, first thing. Oh, boy. First thing I noticed was a magnolia flower. I'm back, Sweet magnolia. I'm back in the magnolia state. Magnolia state. This is a little gem. Flowers are about as big as my fist. Uh, it's a compact plant. It's a, not a, it's a big bush or a small, narrow tree, but it fits in people's landscapes with a big old native wild one out there in the woods. Turns into an elephant out there. Little gem magnolia. Real fragrant. Uh, it's the longest blooming magnolia we have. It continues to bloom even into October. Here it is, September, it's still blooming. The edible fruit I got is also a native, and it's called beautyberry. Beautyberry is a, a woodland plant. It gets pretty good size. It's a, a compact Chinese version, but it has long arching stems, big big leaves, and it has golf ball-sized clusters of fruit. And I do not know what color this is. It's not magenta. It's not purple. It's not, I don't know what color it is. I mean, Java, I don't it know. Lo- it looks purple, but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a type of shade or, you know. Well, see, yeah. See, I was raised with the eight-pack Crayola thing, you know. <laughs> you you know, you were raised with 157 variety Yeah, I got the stuff. big pack now. But anyway, purplish magenta, bear, and they're edible. They're perfectly, they're mealy tasting. They taste terrible. <laughs> but Native Americans use them as an extender for their pemmican. They would take pecans. Uh, they they take uh, fat from rabbits and squirrels and they cook it all together and they would use this as filler, and it probably adds a nice little color too. Yeah, 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 and uh, and then the last plant is my heirloom plant. Uh, right now the red spider lilies are popping up everywhere. Come up with no leaves at all. Some people call them surprise lilies or magic lilies or naked ladies. But the one that blooms in the fall is called spider lily, usually red. Well, I've got one that's kind of a 
pinkish. It looks white from a distance, but it's got t- little faint pink stripes on it. Uh, Lycoris radiata, and it's just a terrific plant that are growing all over the place right now. They're blooming. The reason I'm saying this because if you like it, you want it. They're expensive to buy, but if you've got permission, when they're blooming, you know where the you know where they are. They're going to start growing root. The bulbs are going to start growing roots over the next month or so. So uh, if you want to move some, get them while they're flowering because you know where they are. Cut the flowers off. Use it in a vase. You don't have to waste it. But now's the time to move them because they hadn't started growing yet for the fall, and you know where they are. So I'm just saying. Whew. I feel I still feel pretty smart. Because I'm only talking about stuff I know about. But let's see what other folks have got on their minds and see how quick I can turn ignorant again. Let's go to uh, uh, Meridian and talk with Carla. Hey, Carla, good morning. Good morning, Felder. So far, so good. Please stump me. I'm I'm getting a little cocky here. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> so help me out. What's what's well, going I'm on? Not gonna, I'm not I'm not going to stump you, but at the end of the conversation, I'm going to make a suggestion. Okay. The first question is: I have a daylily bed that I planted several years ago, and the trees have grown so much that they have shaded it, so they're not performing well. Right. So I want to move those daylilies in the fall, and I want something to go in that now shady bed. And I was looking at something called Blue Star Creeper. Isotoma I don't know. You know, I, I asked for it. I asked for it, and you did it. You did it. I'm stumped. It's okay. Well, I'm. But no growing and um, spread. Okay, so spe- spe- kind of spell it again. Iso. T O M A. T O M M A. Yep. F-L-U-D-I-A-T-I-L-I-S. Isotoma. I got F-L-U. Then what? D is in victory. Okay. I-A-T-I-L-I-S. L-I-S. Oh, I see it. But I can't help you out with it. Okay. I'm going to have to look something up. I'm going to have to just look it up. Can't well, can't, can't do it right now. Fine. Anyway, there that's are some, fine, there's fine. there are plenty of other things that grow really really well uh, in shaded areas. Plenty of stuff. So, uh, uh, and I don't even know where to get started. But because my my front garden is sunny, my back garden is shady. But you know you can grow hostas, uh, which which are terrific shade plants. You can grow impatiens. You can grow ferns, uh, daffodils. If it gets winter sunshine. Then you know, as long as it's not you know, if it's really heavy, dense shade, they may not do well. But some of the early blooming daffodils, like paper whites, they come up in the fall. They bloom uh, in in the 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 winter time. They die down before the trees leap back out. Um, and also, there's a plant called painted arum, A R U M, old fashioned plant. Looks like a hosta, a uh, little arrowhead shaped variegated leaves that come up in the fall, die down in the spring. So between hostas and painted arum. Uh, some ferns and all, uh, you know, there's plenty of good choices there. Now, for my, um, just a suggestion, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if you could come up with a calendar that told all of us um, garden-loving people what to do each month of the year, 
put it together, and then that could be your prize for people who call in during the fall dry time. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. As a matter of fact, it'd be easy to do because my first book uh, called Gardening Southern Style had a month-by-month list of what you can not only do every month, but what you can see every month. When do the birds start coming in? Stuff like that. Uh, MSU uh, has got a, a good little checklist to send out every year. I don't always agree with it because as a gardener, I don't do some of that stuff. Uh, but that, that's, okay. a really, that's a really <clears throat> good idea. Good idea. Excellent. Okay. Well, I enjoy your program, uh, and I listen to it all the time. So okay. You're doing now, a great job. Just keep it up. I appreciate that. Help us out because we got all confused spelling it. What was the folk name for that plant? Something blue something. Blue Star Creeper. Blue Star Creeper. Okay. That's enough for now. Appreciate your call. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Let's go now to Lisa calling how y'all got this fancy She's calling equi- from Mobile. You've got all this fancy equipment, but my bifocals make it all moot. Let's go to Mobile. Hey, Lisa, how are you today? Hi, I'm great. And I just wanted to say real quick, there's nothing more fun in the fall during bird migration than watching a flock of cedar waxwings descend on a beautyberry bush. <laughs> and and they'll clear it real quick. They will clear it real oh, yeah. quick. Have you got you oh, got a blue be- uh, be- uh, be- beauty berry in your yard? I have several. I love them. Well, have, have you seen the uh, the the uh, the, or- the the Japanese one by any chance? No, I have not. I have a native. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I prefer native stuff. I've, I've got both of them, and the a regular native beauty berry gets big. I mean, it can get you know five six feet tall and almost that wide. You can prune it and it puts because it blooms on new growth. But the uh, the Japanese one only gets about maybe waist high and more compact, and it's got instead of balls of golf ball size clusters of flowers, it's got little double. Uh, uh, groups of flowers. Anyway, it's the same color. It grows the same way, but it's smaller, more compact, just as good for the wildlife. It fits in people's yards. The reason I'm saying that a lot of people say, I don't want beautyberry gets too big. Well, yeah, the native one gets big if you got room for it. But if you don't, still a great plant to grow. And the Japanese one fits gardens better. I, 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 I took over your call there. Sorry. I, I, I had a question. Okay. <laughs> Bring it on. Can I grow elderberries on the coast? Sure. They they grow in down into Florida and down in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh make sure you're getting the the native one, you know, the one that that grows low wet areas. It's a herbaceous perennial that'll get awfully big down on the coast, but it really does well in an area that's a little on the moist side. Thank you. All right, appreciate you calling. Uh, thank you so much. Whew. Java. Sound like Lisa. She was driving a little bit. She was on the road. She might have been. Uh, you know, and I, I threw in some extraneous information there, uh, but beautyberry is really, really stunning, unusual plant. I mean, look at these. I mean, Java, this thing is taller than me, and it's got these uh, three or four inches apart, two or three inches apart, big golf ball sized clusters of berries. Unusual thing about the leaves on these great big leaves, you can rub them on your arm, and they're a mosquito repellent. So say that again because I'm always looking for mosquito repellent. Who's who's going to make this stuff up, right? <laughs> the the leaves of Calicarpa americana called beautyberry, American beautyberry, uh, or some people call it French mulberry, but it's native. Uh, then the leaves uh, are just like they don't have any fragrance to them, no fragrance, and they're kind of sandpaper. But you you rub them on your arms, your legs, your your neck, mosquito repellent. 
I said, like you said, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> well, I, I could. But uh, <laughs> anyway, between the American Beauty Berry, the Little Jim Magnolia with the fragrant flowers right now, and the different kind of red spider lilies that are popping up everywhere, uh, including the white ones, the pink ones. There's a golden one that's called Lycoris aureus. It's like the regular red spider lily, except it's golden colored. There's a lot of cool plants. And what's amazing to me is how these plants do well without me. I've been gone for three months, and ain't nobody, you know, it got hot, hundred and something degrees, no rain for two or three weeks. It's been raining incessantly, you know, all the bad kind of weather that, and the soil and neglect and all of that. And there's still plants that want to grow. They want to grow, and uh, the idea is to find these plants that are well adapted, grow those something in every season. And then you have a dependable garden going all the time. Then you can start tucking in the iffy stuff that's just pretty and all like that. Anyway, before I wax too eloquent, let's slide back to Jackson and talk with Don. Dawn. Hey, Dawn, good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? So far, so good. What's up? I just wanted to tell you that being in the water gardens all the time, there's so many mosquitoes and the singing gnat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the best, the best way to deter that is Plain old simple, one dollar vanilla. Vanilla. Okay. You pour it. I, I promise it okay. works. They will to, not touch you. I hate to tell you this, but for a dollar, that ain't vanilla. That's artificial vanilla, but it still works. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Hey, it does the job. You may smell a little sweet, but it works. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Now, is this the 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 fish lady, the koi lady, Dawn? It is. I want to throw something out at you. Before I left this, I got a, a, a four foot diameter horse trough type thing in my back garden in the shade that I use uh-huh. as a fish tank. I've got goldfish in it. They were the twenty five cent goldfish, right? Uh huh. And I put them in there a year or so ago, and they've gotten about oh four or five inches, three or four inches long. But they didn't get food at all for the past three months, and they seem to be okay. These are some doing, tough fish. They Well, goldfish are, I mean, the way that I got started in this business was I found a tub, I stuck it on the front porch, I bought a couple of goldfish, and I forgot about it over winter. And the they're next, still there. The next summer, I saw mud on the bottom, and it looked like it moved, and those fish had lived in the mud when I put water in there. The well, fields were full of mud, and they just went swimming. Well, we need to talk about fish sometime. We're at the end of the program. But, Dawn, look forward to chat with you about, about the next step from goldfish. The well, next step fun. up from goldfish. <laughs> All right, honey. Y'all have a great one. Thank you. Yeah, goldfish. I got them sort of almost as a joke. And I put them in this little tub in the back, and they've I've gotten to where they will eat food from my hand. My granddaughter, Allie, my sweet little first granddaughter, Allie, the first picture I have of her in my garden, she and I are standing by this thing, and she's playing with the goldfish. Now, that's a picture. If I had dropped dead tomorrow, my granddaughter got a picture of her and her granddaddy playing in a goldfish pond. So life is good. Java, it's good to see you, man. Look for Glad you're back in the studio, man. All righty, man. We're going to be talking about gardening every Friday, rebroadcast on Saturday, podcast at mpbonline.org. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to go out. I did all my weeding yesterday, first day back from England, and I'm going to do some lettuce planting this weekend. Look forward to chatting with y'all every Friday right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, take a kid to a garden center and show them how to get dirt.
dirty. That's what we do best. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.